Welcome to Latinos Who Tech. My name is Hugo Castellanos. I'm an engineer and I work in Silicon Valley. In this episode of Latinos Who Tech, we actually did a live podcast at the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers National Convention in Phoenix, Arizona. This is a convention that happens every year. I've been attending it for the last uh, 11 years, actually, ever since I was a sophomore in college. I would like to thank everybody that made this episode possible, especially everybody from the Shep National staff, including Dr. Dora Renaud, Jimmy Galvez, and Rosa Delgado. Muchas gracias. In this particular panel, we explore the question of what drives us. As professionals in STEM, why do we keep coming back to this convention year after year? I have my personal take on it. I do it because I want to warm up the relationships that I have in the organization. And it also empowers me to give back. Uh, so in this particular convention, I, I got to do two workshops. So this uh, live podcast, and I also did my workshop on taking the work out of networking. Uh, so I share with a room full of 150, 180 professionals the strategies that I use to network. And before jumping right into the live podcast, I'd like to remind you that Latinos Who Tech is brought to you by Audible. If you want to pick up a new audiobook, you can go to audibletrial.com slash latinos and sign up for a free trial of Audible. Com. It's a great way of uh, taking advantage of your commute time and learning a new skill, or even just catch up with a new story uh, via audiobooks. So check it out at audibletrial.com latinos. And without further ado, here is the live podcast, live from the Society Hispanic Professional Engineers Conference in Phoenix, Arizona. Gracias. All right, guys, uh, welcome to our next session. So, uh, about, uh, God, it's, I think it's almost been 10 years. Uh, some of you, some of you guys know, know, know me, know that I got a chance to live in the Bay Area for about 10 years. And somewhere around there, when uh, I was a chapter leader, I had an opportunity to go to visit the, 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 what was then the, the new Bay Bridge construction. And it was at that, uh, at, at that event, uh, it was a Chef San Francisco event, it's, it's, it was at that event that I got a chance to, to meet uh, my friend Hugo Castellanos. Since then, it's been awesome to see Hugo's career just, just blossom. He's a product manager with Intel. He makes Dex, PowerPoints, data collection for uh, sales with Intel. And so, but beyond that, he's a connector. He's a podcaster. And if you haven't heard about it, he just reached 85,000 downloads. Yes. It? Just uh, yesterday morning, so this awesome podcast, uh, Latinos in Tech and Conexiones. So with that, I want to welcome Hugo. Okay, so good morning, everybody. Can everybody hear me in the back? Gotcha. So just uh, be mindful. Remember, whatever we say here, whatever questions you ask, is going to be recorded forever. <laughs> no, pressure. no pressure at all. I have some folks here. I have uh, Natalia Arisa from Uber Eats. 
Uh, I have uh, Javier Cortavitarte from Broadcom, and I have uh, Juan Lopez Marcano from Uber. And uh, they are fascinating folks, so um, I let them introduce themselves. Ladies um, first. <laughs> All right, fine, I'll take that. Um, good morning, everyone. I'm Natalia Ariza. I am a Shep Lifetime member. I joined the organization back in 2007, so it's, it's been a long time. Um, I'm an industrial engineer, and um, I am currently working at Uber Eats uh, in corporate strategy. Hello, everybody. My name is Juan Marcano. I am a Venezuelan software engineer. I work in machine learning and artificial intelligence at Uber. I'm trying to do this at scale to save Uber millions of dollars every year. And I've been on this for some time. I love it. And I also love Shep. I was a, one of the VPs at Shep Silicon Valley. And I love coming here every year. And hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Javier Cortavitarte. I'm a customer adoption manager at Broadcom. I've been part of Chef for about 15 years in coming to this conference for about 10 or so. Uh, very happy to be part of Chef. Uh, this time I'm still representing Chef Silicon Valley professionals. And uh, I joined Chef as a student and I figured that would be the best way to spend my family as, uh, as a professional and continue contributing. And from Caracas, Venezuela, I was able to get to Miami and eventually the Bay Area. So I'm very happy to be here and contribute more. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so this panel, I want to explore the question of what drives us. You know, so part of the mission of Shep is to be the source of technical talent for Hispanics in the US. And Essentially, we made it, right? We have full-time jobs at very successful, huge companies. We have stability in our professional life. So we made it, so why, why are you here? Um, so let me start. I'll say because uh, uh, being willing to help, being willing to share experience that actually help people to excel, to to learn how to excel as well, and at the same time uh, be able to give advice, like you know, open to questions. People were nice enough to me when I came as a student to this conference and answer some of those questions, some of these doubts that I have to do, like what to do with my life after college. Mm -hmm. You know, what should I focus on? I mean, I already have these ideas, but in these goals, but what else should I look up to? Who should I look up to? You know. Uh, or who else should I look up to? I might already have other examples or people that I want to uh, follow and be as successful if no more. So I, that's the main reason for, for me at least being here and being able to, to reconnect with peers or friends uh, or very meaningful connections that I made through this time coming to shop. I love that it's all about conexiones, like yeah. coming together, right? And <laughs> people that you know here, and I have friends that I only get to see at national conference. Uh, so that's part of the reason why I keep coming back. Uh, this is gonna be my conference number 11. Uh, so, and number seven as a professional. So, yeah, maybe you can start with that, Natalia. Like, uh, what number of conferences is this for you? That's a fantastic question. I, I'm gonna ballpark, it's my eighth. I actually haven't been back in a while. This is a very special weekend for me. 
Um, I decided to venture into the business world, pursued my MBA, and so for the last three and a half years. Um, Where did you get your MBA, by the way? I know, I always forget to say. Um, I was accepted at Yale University for, for a full-time MBA program. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's my eighth conference. That's I'll fantastic. give you a precise number after the... No <laughs> worries. You can always plus minus. Like, engineers can always do plus that's minus. So. That's great. <laughs> yeah, no, but I wonder, like, why do you keep coming back? Yes, uh, let me... I, I have two distinct reasons. Um, the, the first one is uh, similar to Javier. Like, I, I feel a deep sense of of gratitude to, to Shep. It, it is thanks to Shep that I got about $5,000 well, um, in scholarships well, when I was an undergrad, and that was actually going a really long way um, in the Florida public school system. Um, and so I owe Shep money. I owe Shep uh, some of the best friends in my life, uh, one of the best partners, uh, emotional partners that I have ever had. And so like, it, I feel a deep sense of gratitude to this organization. Um, so that's one. Um, the second, though, is I think that I see Shep as a tool, a means to an end, not just for my personal advancement, but like to solve gaps that we have. I mean, in our company, I don't work. Um, I, we we need to uh, fulfill mid-manager roles with uh, underrepresented minorities. Uh, Dara, our CEO, has a goal of about 15% for that type of role, and at the moment we're at 11. So I'm here to like find fellow professionals. Um, who want to perhaps pursue a, a, a career and make a shift into STEM, uh, sorry, into tech. Nice. Uh, so I did the math. Yeah, this is my sixth conference because I, I missed last one and I also missed, so I missed a few. So this is my sixth conference. And uh, the reason I keep coming back is because I, I come back to learn and teach. Uh, I believe that SHIP is a great place to learn because we have around 8,000 people coming here every year. And there are people all the way from high school to uh, senior leadership. Uh, let me think. So yesterday I met a VP from Accenture. Three years ago I met the CTO of Twitter. And I've also met great people that I've been able to learn from and, and connect to. And similarly, I've also learned stuff from high school kids and from other people. And I believe that I'm gonna keep coming to Shep as long as I keep on learning. And it's pretty much impossible for me to not keep on learning. So I think I'll keep on coming here forever. And let's see, um, for the teaching part. So uh, like everybody else said already, uh, I think we're doing great here. Uh, I think we're doing great in life. And I think we're responsible for making sure that the elevator gets sent back down so that everybody else comes to the top. Yep. Awesome, and thank you for sharing that. Um, I wonder what's your favorite story about coming back to nationals after being a professional? Is there like a story, an anecdote that pops back to mind? Yeah, go for it. Actually, yeah, uh, a very memorable one because it did land me my, my first job at our college. And uh, I had the opportunity to come to SHEP as a, as a junior, basically I was between my my senior in my junior year and come for a chance for an internship with a couple of companies. And some of the recruits had already been at FIU, my alma mater in, in Miami. And next thing you know, that same person told me, please stay in touch with me and let's see if we can talk next year. Maybe there's an opportunity as a full-time. Great. So I did. She, that person actually already hired me, hired some fellow friends or classmates. 
uh, during that internship that, that I didn't get. And, you know, and she said, I'm going to be a chef, so let's talk and see if I can help you. Next thing you know, uh, she's like, there's no positions now in the Bay Area because that's where I was moving into. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, she said, I can definitely help you connect with some of my friends. And this is really the most powerful part of, you know, not only staying in touch, but really connecting with people and always asking for some feedback, which I did to this, to this lady. And her name is Christine. And not, you know, no longer than two, three weeks, uh, she referred me to a, a friend of her, an old classmate of hers, an alumni, uh, that actually worked at Google. And within two weeks, I landed an interview and an offer to actually join them. So I think that's one of probably the most powerful uh, and impactful ways that Chef has helped me and to then obviously gives me the, the chance to come back and, mm. and share what, you know, what there is the lesson that I learned, you know, that pretty much everyone can also take to themselves and share it hopefully one day too. Yeah, that's fantastic. And um, it reminds me, um, uh, I was actually, as a professional, I came back and I was recruiting. And part of what I do at Intel is that I, I'm an electronics engineer, but my job is in sales enabling. So essentially I make content that helps account executives sell. And uh, I have this skill, like, you know, that and, like, we all speak Spanish. Um, I happen to speak Portuguese, too, because I did study abroad there. And a student actually approached me and at the booth, and we we're having a conversation, and she asked me, Hugo, what's the most challenging thing about your job right now? I'm like, wow, like, she really cares. And I told her that, well, I have all this content, and sometimes I struggle like, translating all of it. Because even though I, I speak the language, some of the technical terminology, it doesn't, it's not as easy to translate. And she said, oh, okay, that's, that's very insightful. And again, she stayed in touch. Like three weeks later, she actually sent me a link. Hey, you go following up, uh, really enjoy your conversation. By the way, here's a website from the European Union, and it's a technical dictionary in 42 languages. I think you would really enjoy this in your job. Um, so a quarter lady, a quarter later, when actually my I got some headcount for interns, guess who I called? You know, so so that's my my most insightful story. Like from going back to Chef, the fact that somebody actually followed up. So like the one advice that I always tell to professionals and uh, student members alike is like, always follow up. Like uh, it's really cool to connect in the room, but that follow up, that's where the power is. What about the Uber folks? I'm going to call you the Uber folks now. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, you have one? Okay. Go for it. Yeah, so I have a couple. Um, one of my favorite stories has to do with um, some things. A scholarship I applied to about, Jesus, five years ago. Uh, a very, this is a very prestigious scholarship from Google, mostly for grad students, and really, really hard to get. And I came to Shep, and I met some of the people that were in the uh, reviewing committees. And they gave me some advice, and I wrote everything the way they wanted to see it, and I was the first Venezuelan to get the scholarship. Nice. And then a year later, I came as a professional. No, no, sometime later, I came as a professional, sorry. Timing is not working for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. 
right? <laughs> yeah. it, it's not like you're a machine learning engineer, right? Like, right yeah. Let sure. the machines do the learning, right? Exactly. I let them do the timing, cut the time. So, uh, <laughs> so I came sometime later, and I met a couple of kids that wanted to apply for this scholarship, and they had questions, they had essays, semi-written, they had rough drafts, and I advised them a bit. I also introduced them to some people, and one of, it got, one of them got the same scholarship that I got. The other one did not get it, but got a different one that actually had more money. So that was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you want me to take a stab at that, or you want to? Hey, please take a stab at that. OK, I will, I will. Um, this take as many steps as you want. This one's about, um, my story was about a, a year after graduating from, from Florida State, I had joined. Um, ExxonMobil um, in the global supply chain strategy team. And so um, right away, I was still drinking, and, and I still do today, like the, the Chef Kool-Aid, um, <laughs> not, not the Exxon one. <laughs> and so, and so um, I quickly joined the, the, the recruiting team for, for ExxonMobil. And so um, before graduation, I had served uh, the, the organization as a regional student representative for the Southeast, for Region 7. And so um, I recall, um, yeah, a year after college, I uh, ran. I ran into Daniel Science. Uh, he was the president of the University of Florida. Uh, huge rival school. I don't know why, but sometimes I like them. I like the Gators, although I'm a Seminole. Um, and so I ran into him. <laughs> I miss that. I miss that. This is good. Um, anyway, so I ran into Daniel, and um, I had had already a very good impression of him by working as him as a president, me as a regional student rep. And so because of that really good one year working relationship that we had had on a volunteering, in the volunteering space, I was quick enough to like refer him. And then uh, little did I know that he was, gonna be jo he was gonna be joining my team a year later, like literally we were peers for like two years during my time at ExxonMobil. Um, today he is overseeing, uh, I believe a big part of like the Americas, um, downstream marketing organization and so it's been really awesome to see how like from a like very quite, quite frankly like a bit like naive we were younger we were just sort of like we were overseeing our student chapters and and that how that translated has translated over the years to be a, um, a fantastic uh, relationship he I look at him as my little brother and like it was awesome to see how he he grew within the organization and it all happened because we encountered our, ourselves here at a SHEP conference. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, I think we established that we are all SHEP lifers, if you will. Like, uh, <laughs> we're going to keep coming back and back. And um, I think that one of my, my favorite things about uh, being a, a lifetime member is the fact that I get to be a SHEP ambassador at my job, uh, but also at events for, for students, you know, at least in Silicon Valley. Like, uh, our job is to uh, take that gospel of Shep, you know, wide and loud, and just bring more members to the organization. So, you know, I'm really happy to, to hear all your stories and uh, what keeps coming, bringing you back to here. Um, but I'm wondering, like, what drives you? You know, when you go to work every day, uh, most of our, uh, show of hands, like, how many here are, are professionals? Most of us, right? Almost the whole room is professional. There's some students there that <laughs> listen to the podcast, so thank you for coming. Uh, so I'm wondering, like, what drives you to go to work every day? You know, especially when things can get tough. Um, 
projects, deadlines? Like, what keeps driving you and what keeps you moving forward? And it looks like Natalia is okay. dying to answer right. this question. So. <laughs> Look, in one word, it's my mom's immigrant story. However, I'm going to elaborate a little bit more. So um, I think that uh, during, during my time at Uber, I've had uh, quite a couple of projects that um, entail um, having an impact in, in a very large immigrant community, especially um, because I oversaw uh, the Miami uh, Uber Eats market. And so um, I think that, you know, when you asked me, like when I was waking up day in and day out, uh, what motivated me, it was um, understanding that and, and, and being very cognizant of the fact that the decisions that I was making with my projects, uh, the ability to influence upward and explain uh, the price elasticity of our immigrant community in Miami and understanding like what the, the, the impact of uh, fare increases or fare reductions, et cetera, would have not only on the bottom line of the company, but also in the lives of fellow immigrants like my mom, um, like that motivated me. So I think what I'm trying to convey here is that um, throughout my career, I always like not just look at like the specific business objective of the project that I'm tackling, but like I also try to like reframe it in a way that it's uh, personal to me. And so um, that's my story about <laughs> waking up every day and I'm going very excited to my Uber Eats Miami office. <laughs> that's awesome. That's a very touching story, and it's a really hard to beat. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to lower the baseline for Javier. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a supportive environment, by the way. Exactly. Uh, and by the way, Juan, we know that the free food is what drives you. So uh, yeah, well, just heads up that we know it's involved so somehow. We know it's at least one of part yeah, of it. If, if you know me like he does, uh, you know how important free food is for me. But you know, on on top of that, um, what I do every day is you know, I. I wake up and I do the, the usual tasks, and then I go to the gym, and then I go to work, I read some technical papers on machine learning, I go to some meetings, then I think and think and then implement, and then I go home and I do the exact same thing. What drives me is the technical challenge. And at Uber we have plenty of those. We have more questions than answers. and. As long as we have more questions and answers, Uber has my heart, and that's what keeps me going. Juan, are you hiring? Always. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> so keep that in mind, folks. Uh, thanks for attempting to do that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no pressure, Javier. Yeah. Same environment. It's not like eighty-five thousand people are yeah, going to listen to exactly. this. Exactly. Uh, well, mine is pretty simple. Uh, that's something that I guess started from from even before uh, John Shep was a student. It's probably when I was a kid, and which is helping, you know, helping community, uh, helping community where I lived. And I was a Boy Scout basically in Venezuela, fourteen years, and I was like, okay, I figure I enjoy helping people. I enjoy helping projects and community other than just your, your random exploration gigs that you have. In coming here and, you know, I come to SHEP and, you know, there was a, this group of people who not only are part of the STEM and starting a similar career to mine, but also wanted to help the community. And I think that has translate, translated into my career and my life because as a professional, I continue to wanting to help the community I'm part of. And when I joined, I continued my career, I wanted to do something that was meaningful. 
you know, solving problems uh, that are impactful for people uh, via technology. Uh, it's, it's it's not only a skill you get. It also has to be something that comes out. Of, it has to be native. Oh, know. thank you for throwing me under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, you you can find a way to do that. Uh, whether it's Uber or whether it's Broadcom or whether it's I don't know a startup. Really. And I, the chance for me to be able to help people, uh, whether it's I'm a chef uh, in the community that I'm part of, or uh, through Broadcom and the solutions that they offer, I'm there basically to help people how to use technology the best way possible so they are successful at it. So for me, helping people is what drives me. And thankfully, I'll be able to to continue doing so throughout my life, and I hope I can continue doing that as well. Thank you for sharing that. Now, it's only fair that I answer my own question, right? Mm -hmm. You might as well. Because, because I see that, and again, like going back to that panel, man, it's like, I don't mean to pick on them, but uh, the thing is that, I mean, if you're gonna ask those questions, at least like, be willing to answer them, right? At least be transparent in that regard. So, like, um, so, I have a particular set of skills. I'm an engineer, but I also love uh, storytelling and communicating. So creating stories and doing public speaking. And I love being part of an organization that empowers me to do those things I'm really good at. So I know that a lot of people are like shy away from like public speaking opportunities. I think the number is like 85% of people in the US at least that they were asked, would you rather do a presentation or would you rather die? <laughs> <laughs> and 85% of people said, I'd rather die. And then I'm sure like another 10% are probably lying. But again, it's one of those things that, uh, so what drives me is the fact that I get to go to the office every day and clip my Intel badge, and I get to do those things I'm really good at, and I get to be appreciated for them. And you know what else you get to do? You get to take your Intel badge and get on a lot of first-class flights. <laughs> that's nice. That's, that's nice. Uh, you know, like flying to Arizona for free, like, that's nice that, too. And That is uh, a nice perk. Yeah. Yeah, so we actually have a company shuttle. It's, uh, it's a fleet of uh, nine airplanes. Uh, and we fly between all the cities that have Intel campuses. You can just ride them for, for free. You need a business reason. Uh, there's no Intel people in the room, right? <laughs> Good. And nobody's recording this, so it's okay. Uh, so actually, sometimes the business reason is that, you know what? I want to have coffee with my friend, my mentor in Portland. Uh, so you do that. You put in the calendar. You get in the shuttle, and you fly back down the same day. And it's fine. You know, it's like, like they foster this environment of uh, a camaraderie, if you will. So that, that's what drives me, the fact that I found an organization that lets me do the things I'm good at every day. So we answered the question, what drives you? But then I wonder um, how much is it is like habits versus motivation? Because um, personally, I think that motivation is... Uh, I think motivation is overrated. 
because sometimes we come to events like this and we walk out of here and we're super motivated and energized and we walk out and then four days later it's like nothing happened. So like personally, like I think like habits are stronger in the sense that, oh, okay, I wanna be a better machine learning engineer, so I'm gonna code every day. I'm gonna look for challenges every day. And just one hour in the morning, I'm gonna do that. So like, that's my take on it. But then I wonder like, if you have a take on it, like, like habits versus motivation, you know, like what's your, your opinion on the matter? And maybe share with me like, some habits that you've built. Yeah, so I wouldn't say habits versus motivation. I would say habits plus motivation. Because mm-hmm. I can tell you, at my organization, if you're very motivated but you can't code, you're going to have a big problem. <laughs> so, and you know, and also coding is not enough. You also have to make sure that you do a couple of things so that we don't lose a, bunch, a lot of money, right? You gotta test a couple of things, don't burn a lot of machines. So you, you have to develop some habits, a couple of a couple of checks on yourself. Just just the just like in the mornings, you uh, brush your teeth. I'm assuming, and you also eat because you feel it in your body that you have to do it. You have to do the same for the role and for the skills that are required for your job, no matter how motivated you are or not. If you have that, and if on top of that you're motivated and go the extra mile to deliver something great, then you're on the right track. Thank you. Um, A couple of thoughts on on, on staying motivated. Um, Just recently, I... Um, was given the opportunity uh, to lead uh, a team of uh, account managers um, in Miami. Lo- most of them were a lot of people with whom I related with because we grew up in Miami, first generation Im- immigrant community type of thing. And so um, at first uh, we were given the task uh, to sort of set the standard for what it meant to give support to the restaurants that are on Uber Eats for like the first 60 days. And so at the moment, um, Again, this is a story about reframing. I thought to myself, I know very well that restaurants are always complaining about our support. And so here I have, and my, my, me and my team, uh, we have uh, an opportunity to raise the bar. And so again, what's the, not just, they, they didn't just ask me to provide support to restaurants. They, I asked myself, I'm gonna show this organization how to provide account management. And so about five weeks passed since I took that role. And then unfortunately, as um, it came up in the news, um, it, there were a massive layoffs in, in Uber, and my team was part of that. Um, and they, they, you know, like two or three weeks before that, they had heard that there was going to be a change, and it was all it was about motivating myself and motivating them because that was my role as a leader. And so there, then I shifted gears and I said, "Well, my role is no longer to teach Uber how to provide account management. My role right now is to, in the next three to five weeks, position each of these individuals." Uh, to succeed internally or externally. And so I reframed my time in, in, in that leadership position to now focus on, on them, on their growth. And that was my commitment to them. I said, honestly, these are, these are decisions that are being taken way, way, way above me. And so my, my, the only thing that I can promise you is that over the next three to four weeks, I will bend over to um, teach you how to get better with like those SQL, um, SQL analytical skills, or how do we get better at you really conveying that message to an uh, external um, stakeholder, etc. And so um, the story that, that I'm sharing here is more about like 
um, I think one understanding that I had to be the source of motivation, mm -hmm. like there was no one else, and so like you just have to like mm -hmm. we say in, Sp in Spanish, put on the jersey number ten, ponte la camiseta, like, and mm -hmm. so I did, and I wore it. One, that was the realization, and the two, again, reframing the the big picture objective that I had in my hands. Got it. Thank you. Uh, to add on to what she said, um, I think it's habits are uh, are very much like discipline, and that's something that is it should be key when it comes to you reaching your goals and excelling. Motivation is probably it's it's a complement, I'll say, mm -hmm. uh, because um, you may have the habits to go through your calendar, understand what you're supposed to do for that week, but uh, and have this routine of you know, competing with their assignments, whether they are meeting with a client, training uh, a team for a client, or uh, learning a new functionality of the tool that you actually want to train someone on. Uh, but the motivation also has to complement that because then you want to, first you want to see them, you know, whether it's, there's two parts to the motivation part. One is really what drives you, which we already explained, and you don't want to help. But at the same mm -hmm. time, you want to see the, your client, whoever you're working with, not only feel accomplished, but also successful at what they're trying to, to do. And keeping those habits uh, and go along with discipline, because that's basically what you are trained with. Uh, they, are, they are going to help you be consistent only on the way you deliver uh, uh, solutions, but also the way you also accomplish whether it's in life or whether it's at work. And those, I think, are key. Uh, they, they pretty much complement each other rather than just one on top of the other. Got it. So, so it's not so much choosing between both of them, but it's complementing. So yeah. like taking the best of, out of both. And got it. And I love your story about ponerse la camiseta. Because uh, oh, yes. I think that, yeah, like when you are out of your comfort zone, that's, that's how you know that you're growing, right? And if it's scary, it's, it must be challenging. It must be challenging. Um, so, and I mentioned the motivation versus habits because I actually, uh, so we as, as lifetime members, again, like, uh, we do workshops for students and we want to grow the organization and we know a lot of people that feel that lifetime commitment. So at the beginning of the year in RLDC for Region 1, I did a Shep Lifetime Challenge. So I actually told to a, a room of 50 students, I will sponsor you for the $1,000 fee at National Convention if you take this challenge. And I think like 45 people in the room like stood up and said, yes, we'll do it. The other five people were already lifetime members. So <laughs> like, I'll take the 1,000 bucks, man, but I don't know. Um, so, and what happened is that, and then, okay, you're motivated now. Let's see what happens. And it was, I think it was very straightforward. What I did is that I gave them a list of three books that I wanted them to read. So one is The Defective Executive by Peter Drucker. Uh, really helped me shape the way that I organize my professional life, my goals, my to-do list. Power of When, uh, which is a, a book to help you figure out 
was the best of the was, was the best time of the day to do certain things. And then I wanted them to read 12 Rules for Life by Dr. Jordan Peterson. Because that book really helped me shape the way that, again, like spiritually, like I organized myself. So I gave them these three books, and then I asked them, okay, now you need to pick one of them, the one you like the most, and do a one-hour presentation on them. And a panel of us will watch it and give you feedback. And also, you need to commit to a coaching phone call with me, 30 minutes per month, every month, till national convention. After that, from those 45 people, there's like 15 people now. Okay, I guess you're not as motivated, okay. And end of the day, people kept dropping out, and one person made it. Belia Iñiguez, president from the SHEP San Jose State chapter. So I'm gonna sponsor her Saturday to become a lifetime member, so really looking forward to that. So, to tell you, so that's why I wanted to illustrate the fact that you know, people are very motivated in the room, but then she built the habits to, okay, I'm not gonna, there's no way I can read the whole book today. Let me read 20 minutes every day. So she built those habits. So at the end of the day, that's gonna help her for the rest of her life. And uh, we have uh, six minutes left, and uh, I wanna be transparent to all of you. We advertise this event as a Shep Lifetime Member panel. Uh, how long have you been a Lifetime Member, Juan? Three years. Three years? Uh, what about you, Natalia? I'm doing the math. I think it's four. Four years? Yeah. What about you, Javier? Not yet. Not yet? So I want you to come this Saturday to a Lifetime Member's reception. <laughs> and I'm gonna give you one of these, okay? I'm gonna give you mine. But I'm going to sponsor you Saturday, too. What? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. This is for you. Gracias, Pablo. Vamos a ponértelo. Vamos a ponértelo que te ve bonito, papi. Ahí para que la gente te vea. Aquí vamos a llorar. I see, like, he's not crying. Is it like I stabbed him with the pen? No, I just, I just got nervous, but it's okay. You got nervous for what, man? Yeah, but it's cool. Yeah. Now, we're going to miss you in Silicon Valley, bro. Yeah. Thank you, Pablo. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So, five minutes left. So, uh, again, you know, call to action. If you're curious about networking and techniques to better your networking game, uh, I'm doing another workshop tomorrow at 11, 10 a.m., this same room. So I'm gonna give you some tools and techniques. Um, everybody knows that networking is important, but not everybody teaches you how. So we're gonna be going over that tomorrow. Also, please, I want everybody to pull out their phone. And I want everybody to subscribe to either Conexiones <laughs> <laughs> or Latinos with Tech. Depends if you wanna consume in Spanish or in English. And, and again, you know, it's, uh, it's about building community. And who knows, maybe in your 30 minute commute to work, you can be entertained by stories like these ones from this panel that we share. Or maybe you can learn things like, like Juan did. You know, he learned how to double his salary in two years 
Natalia shared with me how she got into jail. Um, you shared with me how you got to Silicon Valley via uh, networking and talking with the same recruiter three years in a row until she actually gave you a, a chance. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so these are the stories that we share in the show. So uh, please subscribe. And uh, yeah, with that, uh, any questions? Okay, uh, my name is Elizabeth Macias, and I'm actually, uh, I guess, an at-large member. Um, I used to be a past president for Tucson mm -hmm. Professional Chapter years ago, and so I haven't been here, it's been about 20 years now, so mm -hmm. I'm just coming back. Welcome back. Um, okay, and so uh, one of the things that I really want to go ahead and inquire about is the podcast that you have, uh, mm -hmm. that you mentioned with Latinos Who Tag Conexiones, it, have you actually established or tailored any of them, any of the podcasts, to go for kids that are um, sixth grade to twelfth grade, um, mm -hmm. to be able to help encourage with regards to yeah, some of the different soft skills that you've mentioned, um, and then also uh, to encourage them to actually step into ship. And also, do you happen to know if there's comparable co uh, podcasts for ACES and SB? So uh, the short answer to your first question is no. Uh, my audience is largely uh, professionals in STEM. Uh, so folks that are doing that transition from college to their first job, and also uh, mid-career professionals. Um, I have a commuter audience, so most of the people that listen to my show, they're listening to it on their way to work. So that's why it's, it's a Monday morning podcast. Uh, as far as uh, other podcasts, these are not Nesby or SWE focus. Um, in the end, what happens is that like everybody thinks, and I hear this a lot, like, oh yeah, you should do a podcast. I want to do a YouTube channel. I want to do uh, these things. But uh, it takes habits and it takes time. Uh, but I can recommend you a couple that come from you know other communities of people of color. So one that I really like is Techish, T-E-C-I-S-H. It's an amazing one. Uh, there's also one called uh, Breaking Into Startups. Uh, that is the same thing, but it's focused mostly for people that want to rebrand themselves. So that uh, mid-career professional that has a job as an accountant for 10 years and then wants to go into a coding boot camp and become a full-stack software engineer. So they share stories like that and key advice. So those are the two I would recommend off the top of my head. Okay, I think we might have time for one more question. I saw a few mm -hmm. hands, a lot of hands. Gotcha, I'm gonna hang around after the panel, so just, we can take it outside too. Well, thank you, I'll try to be quick here. Um, first of all, thank you for, uh, for your time and your presentation. I think it was really, really great. Uh, just picking up on the name of one of your book, on the podcast about conexiones, uh, you know, I, my name is Ramon Saragosa. I work for a company in the Bay Area, <laughs> surprise, uh, Biomaterials. Um, and within Biomaterials, I've been part of the group that leads an ERG, an employee resource group within the company. And uh, what I wanted to ask you, all of you, and maybe more people in the room here, is picking up on the Conexiones name. You know, for us, we're always trying to get engaged with the community and do different programs, try to bring more kids into STEM. So the question is, how do we connect with other groups in other companies? Because for us, it's been a, an effort that we do through our company, but it would be nice to extend beyond that and mm -hmm. essentially network and, and uh, work together to uh, bring this have, have you heard about Clio? 
Clio. No, I am not, no. So I want you to Google search Clio and Dr. Robert Rodriguez, PhD. He actually uh, runs a consulting firm out of Chicago, and he focuses on diversity and inclusion for tech companies. He's in the Bay Area twice a quarter, and we do cross-ERG meetups. So the ERGs from Intel, from Tesla, from Google, from Uber, we all come together to do half-day workshops with him. So I encourage you to research him and send him a note. When's the next one? And I'm an ERG leader, and I want to attend. And again, this is for ERG leaders. So if you're an ERG member, you can still attend. But keep in mind that most of the audience is ERG uh, leaders. So we share best practices. That's what we do there. Okay, got time for one final question. Okay. Okay, so hi, everybody. Thank you for coming and mm -hmm. giving us so much insight as a lifetime member. Um, my name is Natalia. I just graduated in May, so I recently became a professional. Um, I actually landed a job with my dream company, um, Arthrex. We manufacture medical devices. Nice. And it's an up-and-coming medical device company that has no idea what Chef is. And... Mm -hmm. Like I said, their values and their visions align a lot with Chef, but I'm having trouble having um, bringing up Chef into the company. And as an early career professional, I want to know if you guys have any tips of how to let Arthrex drink from the Chef Kool-Aid and eventually you know, come and become a, a company here in Nashville. Yeah, Natalia, nice to meet you, and congratulations on landing this job. Um, interestingly enough, I once worked at a startup where I was employee 43, and it was a similar experience. It was act actually, it was mostly, it was a Chinese startup, so it was all from one ethnicity, and I was the only one not from that ethnicity. And the way I, I did it, and I don't want this to sound very capitalist, but that's how you're going to get them. Is, uh, <laughs> is you, 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 have to, you, you have to put in the numbers. You have to try to come up with projections. They have to, if they're smart, they're going to understand that if they want to reach a global audience, they have to have global employees. They have to have, they have, to have Hispanics, they have to have black, they have to have more women. They have to have all of that to increase their collective IQ. And they're going to fall. And they're going to come. Yep. Thank you, you so much. Well, so with that, thank you so much. Thank you for coming and enjoy the rest of the program. Thank you. Over to you, Jimmy. Thank you. We have about 10 minutes.